the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Friend, God's answer to the divided kingdom is Jesus' kingdom. The mystery of iniquity can only be replaced by the mystery of godliness. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike's message today is entitled The Mystery of the Many and the Open Book. It is a part of the Revelation series, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. A little later on in the broadcast, I'll have information about how you can join us live in person if you would like, or you can watch online as well, and we have all that information coming here shortly. Again, Pastor Mike's message today is entitled, The Mystery of the Many and the Open Book. And we will bring you the first portion of that broadcast here today. Here's Pastor Mike. When I was a young boy, I grew up in a small town in the mountains of Virginia where the African-American population in our town lived on one side of the town and most of the Anglos lived on the other side of the town. Has anyone ever lived in a town like that? Okay. There were two sides to town. It was simply the way it was. It was the stable way it was for a long time in the South. I can remember people referring to the other side of town as a scary place where white people shouldn't go. My teachers, my pastors gave me the wisdom of years that a certain race was to be avoided over there on the other side of town. Of course, the message was clear for a six-year-old boy, and I was there. Stay with the people you're used to, and don't associate with those people of a different skin color on the other side of town. Now, being curious as I was, I ventured to the other side of town. I wanted to know what it was like on that other side. And so I went there and I discovered that they breathed the same air that I breathed. And that when you touched them, there was a human touch there. I discovered that they were just as human as I was, even if our hair looked different, our skin was a different color. The other side of town was not as scary as I was led to believe. I found some friends who were every bit as much a boy as I was, a six-year-old boy. One of these boys gave me a black eye. Boom. Before he figured out that I could give him a black eye too. And with a little mutual respect, we found the courage to stop fighting and to reach out and become friends. We played ball together. We ran and laughed together on the other side of town. One of my friends, Carl, was faster than I was at a sprint. He could run. I mean, 100-yard dash, he could run. But I could take him on the mile. And so we were good in different areas. And over time, I began to wonder why there were two sides of town, not just one big town with no sides at all. I asked the question, why do my friends live there while I live here on the other side of town? And why do my wise elders tell me to avoid the others on that other side of town? When I became a Christian, I was horrified to find that many Christians treat fellow believers in the same way that my friend Carl was treated who lived on that other side, the other side of town. In my early ministry, I remember a prominent pastor and administrator instructing me that mixed marriages of race should be discouraged in the Christian church if you want to be spiritual. I looked inside my Bible and I saw Moses married to a woman of a different color. 
And God got pretty upset with Moses' sister Miriam for giving her a hard time and giving Moses a hard time. So I asked that pastor why. Why does it matter today? Why do you have to tell us that? His answer was so embarrassing for a believer to hear. I'm not even going to share it with you. It blew me away that something like that could be articulated in the Christian church. I learned that even in the church, it is easy to find religious reasons to avoid someone who's different than you, someone who might make you uncomfortable because they live on the other side of town. Let's face it. In the Christian church today, there's racism. Maybe not as bad as it was in the civil rights era, but it's still here. It's not easy to break the barriers of racism down and to open up the doors of the church to a person of a different color or a different culture or a different experience than yours. It's natural for people to go with people they're used to. Since the Tower of Babel, it's been more the rule than not that a person tends to avoid the uncomfortable situation of a person that is different from different culture who looks different because it's just easier to get along with people that you're used to. It may come as a surprise to some in the church to discover that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save people of every color, of every nation, of every kindred all over the world. And as far as Christ is concerned, there is no other side of town. He came to take the kingdom of God to every nook and cranny of this planet and to make the world one through the gospel. Christ can identify with the very world that heaven had quarantined off. When this world sinned, it was put to the other side of the universe. He said, I will set my eyes on that fallen planet. I will reach out to the broken planet and the broken souls of that planet. And I will become one with the human race. I will redeem that race. I will bear every sin of every human being that I might bring them back to God. We all lived on the other side of town until Jesus reached out to a world that couldn't save itself to bring us to the new Jerusalem. Christ came to our world, friend, to become one with the fallen race so he might lift us up and bring us back to God into the very heart of heaven's heart. He brought us back to God at the cross. In the book of Revelation, the angel came down from heaven at the end of the 1260 years with the open book of Daniel in his hand. The open book of Daniel that was like a smart bomb, a time bomb waiting to go off and to impact the world for truth and for the gospel to bring Jesus back to this earth. That open book of Daniel is being held in the hand of Jesus as he swears an oath. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of an image back in the book of Daniel. The image of a metal man that towered high. The image was made of gold, silver, bronze, and iron. It represented the four great world kingdoms of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. The feet were iron and clay, representing the divided Rome of the Middle Ages, the Holy Roman Empire. And the feet of iron and clay represented a world that was intrinsically divided, ready to be broken by a stone kingdom from heaven. Daniel 2.41, And you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It shall be a divided kingdom. Now, Christ was very clear. He says, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. If the emphasis of a church or of a government is to talk about how diversity is not possible in unity, that kingdom will fall. Verse 43 continues, as you saw the iron mixed with miry clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. In Daniel 2, the dream was called a mystery. 
Daniel 2.18, a mystery. Daniel 2.19, a mystery. Daniel 2.27, a mystery. Daniel 2.30 and 2.47, again, a mystery. I mean, the mystery that was announced to the prophets had all to do with this kingdom structure of a divided world kingdom that leads to something better in the end. So why are people so divided in our world? Why is there an image of a metal man in the dream that is made of different metals with different colors? And why is there a kingdom at the end that the Bible calls a divided kingdom? Friend, God's answer to the divided kingdom is Jesus' kingdom. The mystery of iniquity can only be replaced by the mystery of godliness. The mystery of the gospel that shows a future that is radically different from the old ugly past we see in human history. In Daniel 2.44, in the days of those kings, that means the divided kings of the world, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, nor shall its sovereignty be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Friends, God's kingdom is the answer to the mystery of the image and the divided kingdom of the world. His mystery overtakes its mystery. In Luke 19, 11, and 12, Jesus made it absolutely clear that he was going to heaven for a purpose. I mean, many Christians today believe that Christ went up there and they don't have a clue what he's been doing for 2,000 years. Christ told us his job description in Luke 19, 11, 12. And when the job is done, he would return to this planet. As they heard these things, he, Jesus, proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and because they, his disciples, supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. They wanted it right then. They wanted to overtake the Roman Empire and set it up. Verse 12, he said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive a kingdom and then return. Sin started in the presence of God inside the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. That is where Lucifer rebelled against God. That is where Christ in his pre-existent form interposed and prevented his immediate annihilation. As soon as there was sin, there was a savior. And from there, sin spread to this planet and it overtook this foreign realm. And Satan had an outpost Christ came to the cross and defeated him cosmically. He defeated him as far as the future is concerned, as far as the past is concerned. And so in the very place where sin started, Christ said a nobleman went into a far-off country to receive his kingdom and then return. He says, I'm going back to my father in that far-off country, and in the presence of my father inside the most holy place, I will receive my kingdom and then I will return. For in one name at a time, Christ has made it very clear that he will confess every believer's name before the Father in the presence of the holy angels. Just as he took our place at the cross in this proxy end time judgment, he will come into the most holy place and confess our names individually before God. I like a judgment like that. What about you? I want to be in Christ so that I benefit from that end time proxy judgment. And when this pre-advent, end-time, heavenly judgment comes to an end, Jesus Christ will return to this world in glory to receive his people that God has given to him because of the cross. And what kind of kingdom will it be that never ends? That's the mystery that needs an answer. What kind of kingdom is Jesus' kingdom? Daniel 7, 13, and 14 has the answer. I saw in the night visions... Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Here is Christ in prophetic vision at the end of the Middle Ages, 
in the 1800s in the context of Daniel 7, coming into the most holy place of the eternal throne room of God to be presented before the ancient of days like the high priest on the great day of atonement. He's wrapped in a cloud of smoke. And God gives him a kingdom. And what kind of kingdom is is it? Look what it says. That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Friend, Christ's kingdom is a multi-ethnic kingdom that will never pass away. In Revelation 10, the angel with the open book is Jesus Christ himself. He's not a created being as some churches will teach. I mean, to even talk about Christ as being created is to blaspheme who he is as the eternal word of God that created the universe. I mean, scientists will tell you very clearly that the universe is not just matter, it's also a fabric of time, time and space. And the book of Hebrews says that Christ created the ions, the fabric of time space itself. Before there was a was, there was Jesus He is the potentate of time, the word of God that caused the heavens to be spread out, that created time itself. And he is not a created being as some teach. Jesus is the angel of the Lord who is the Lord. With the Lord's name, he is the messenger that comes from God who is God. And Jesus, the Logos, the eternal word of God, holds in his hand the unsealed book of Daniel and Revelation 10. And listen to what he says with the open book of Daniel. Open in his hand. Verse 5. And the angel whom I saw standing on sea and land lifted up his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever. You can't swear by God's name unless you're God. And what did he do? He says who created heaven was in it, the earth was in it, the sea that is in it. And here's what he says, that there should be no more delay in the Greek time no longer. But in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God as he announced to his servants the prophets should be fulfilled. The unsealing of the book of Daniel would introduce the last days when God's mystery announced to the prophets, like the prophet Daniel, would be finished. It would be fulfilled. So what is this mystery that Daniel saw but did not understand? What is the mystery of a kingdom at the end of time that has no end? In Revelation 10, 7, the word translated announced is literally preach the gospel. The Greek can be translated like this. The mystery of God as he gospeled it to his servants, the prophets, would be fulfilled. The mystery of the prophets is the mystery that is revealed in the apostolic gospel. The prophet Daniel saw a mystery that points to the good news in Jesus Christ. The greatest of all the apostles, the apostle Paul, the gospel apostle, made it absolutely clear that the mystery of the gospel results in a community of faith that doesn't pick and choose who can belong, but is more concerned with breaking down barriers in Jesus and bringing hearts together in love, a community that is alive. Ephesians 3, 4, when you read this, Paul writes, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, that is how the Gentiles, that means non-Jewish brethren, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. 
We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. I mean, who would have ever thought that God could create an environment to break down bigotry and hatred and racism and to create a family of love Within the context of faith, people have died for centuries over these kind of differences. And yet the mystery of the gospel is that it comes together in Jesus. The mystery that is revealed in the gospel is the deep truth that Jesus' kingdom is not a racist kingdom. And his church is a God-ordained gathering of all peoples. In the early Christian church, Jewish Christians had to overcome their racism. I mean, it had been inculcated into them. They had to overcome it to worship alongside Gentile Christians who were babes in the faith. They learned from the apostles to give those Gentile Christians what Peter calls a holy kiss. I mean, that was hard for them. You know, they'd been taught by the rabbis that the Gentiles were dogs. And so in their mind, they were giving a dog a holy kiss. My dog, Smokey, likes kissing me, but I don't like kissing him. I mean, this is the thought form that had been put into their mind. They were taught to hate the Romans as an act of religion. And let it be stated... That God moved upon his people, the precious Jewish people. He moved upon them to bring the Savior of the world to them first. Christ made it very clear, I've not been sent to anyone but the lost house of Israel. Why? Because he had to work out love in the midst of that ancient people. Because from the Jewish nation came the explosion of apostolic love and apostolic truth that came through Jesus. And right there in the church they learned to love Romans. They learn from Jesus that every soul is of infinite importance to the heart of God. Even a Roman emperor's soul matters. So Peter said, honor the emperor. Christ died for the whosoever of John 3.16. Not the elect, not the special. He died for anyone who will believe. And so the blood of Jesus made peace at the cross. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, it was the end of the Tower of Babel for the Christian church. No more confusion. Clear, distinct languages that united hearts and love for Christ. Whoever accepts Jesus, friend, is not an outcast anymore. Inside the church, they belong. Dispensationalist theology, which is very popular today, would have the church of today believe that there are two sides of town in the Christian church. They teach that there are two peoples of God, the Jewish people and then the Christian church, and they're kind of separate. Now that doesn't match with what Paul is saying here. That's not the mystery of the gospel. Friend, God is not a polygamist. There aren't two brides at the end of time. A Jewish bride and a Christian bride. There is one bride. And God's people who are Jewish and God's people who are Gentile are one family of faith at the end of time. A holy Israel committed to Jesus. Christ died on the cross of Calvary with his arms open wide to all the peoples of the earth as one. Now Jesus could have died with his arms folded, couldn't he? But he he died with his arms open wide to embrace the whosoever of John 3.16. John 1.11, it says he came to his own home. His own people received him not. But to all who received him, 
who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And sealing the book of Daniel inaugurates the final proclamation of the gospel in human history, where God will have a church, an end-time prophetic movement that is made up of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, is not at all connected to end-time Babylon and its principles. Revelation 10.11, I was told you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Out of the ashes of the great disappointment of 1844, prophesied in Revelation 10, when that book was taken, it was sweet at first, it became bitter. The Bible predicted that out of the bitter disappointment of 1844, a global prophetic movement would arise that embodies the truth of the mystery of the apostolic gospel that all nations are one in Jesus Christ. Christ made it very clear that the gospel unites everyone and there's no place to exclude the person who has faith in Christ who will be committed to his word and follow Jesus. And his church will understand at the end of time the mystery of the open book of Daniel which unites all people. Matthew 24, 13, Jesus made it very clear. The one who endures to the end, what does it say? Might be saved? I mean, ever feel like you might be saved? I mean, you know, I might be saved or could be saved using a subjunctive. You ever felt that way? Sure you have. How many of you want to know you'll be saved? Put your hand. Now, we don't want to be presumptuous. We don't want to have pride that sets ourselves up to fall. But Christ makes it very clear. If you endure it to the end, if you hang on to Christ, you grow in his word, you will be saved. Period. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to how many nations? Just a few or all of them. To all nations. And then the end will come. And then, so when you see the desolating sacrilege spoken of by the prophet Daniel, you can't understand that. Is that what he says? No, he says, stay in the holy place. Let the reader understand. The unsealed book of Daniel becomes a catalytic force at the time of the end for people from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue to learn the apostolic gospel that brings all people together in Jesus. The gospel that is preached to every nation and people will be preached by a people at the end. A prophetic movement that understands the book of Daniel's mystery. Daniel predicted that God's kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom from all the nations of the earth. All nations will become one nation in Jesus and the church at the end of time. And in eternity, it will never end as such. The everlasting gospel is for the whosoever of John 3.16 who believes in Jesus. When I see an empty seat in the church, I don't care what color a person is. I want God to fill that seat. And I don't care what background they came from. When I first came to church, you know, some people think, well, Pastor Mike probably was raised a doctor's son or something. That's just... I grew up in poverty in the Appalachians of Virginia. When I first came to church, I had holy pants. And not the kind that are consecrated to God, the kind with a hole in them. And I remember having nightmares that someone would see that, and I was just so embarrassed when I went to a Christian school, I took my dog Fang with me because he was my best friend on earth. And God had people of love who let me keep my dog at that boarding school so I wouldn't leave. And I would have left if I couldn't have brought my dog. I mean, I was just the way I was. At every single point, God had love in the way. When my dad died, who wasn't a very good Christian of this church, but he had become a Christian late in life and he led me to Christ, so that was good. 
God led a, a wonderful couple into my life who didn't care that I was poor, didn't care that I had no manners or anything, who loved me in Jesus and allowed me to grow in the Word of God. I mean, the church is not just theology. The church is not just its belief structure. The church is Jesus and his love that ministers and flows to people who naturally would not belong, but who are brought in by the love of God. I wouldn't be here today if love had not found a way for me to be here. All nations become one in Jesus in the church at the end of time, and we shouldn't be picking and choosing who it is that makes a good believer. Thank God for everyone who comes to church. The everlasting gospel is for the whosoever, John 3, 16. All the nations of the world are precious in his sight. How does the song go? Red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Do you believe that? I believe it. He loves them all and he loves us. All the nations of the world are precious in his sight. Revelation 14, 6, Then I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an everlasting gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory. That means to love God, to obey Him. For the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of water. God is calling the whole world, the whole world, the nobodies and nothings of the world, and the someones and somethings of the world too, to accept the mystery of the gospel that brings us together at the foot of the cross and on level ground. Well, we'll need to say amen to the first portion of the mystery of the many in the open book, a part of the Revelation series with Pastor Michael Oxentanko. Remember, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. The entire Revelation series is available there for you. You can download it or listen to it there in on-demand format. Thank you for listening today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.